Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Nicole. Welcome to the Movement Toward Change podcast. We are using dance as a means to cultivate community and start conversation. Today, we are honored to speak with Daisy Kate Jacobson. Daisy grew up in Manhattan Beach, California, where she trained at South Bay Ballet. She received her BFA in dance from the Juilliard School in 2017 and joined LA Dance Project soon after. At LA Dance Project, Daisy has performed new works by leading choreographers such as Benjamin Milliped, Justin Peck, Shannon Gillen, Kyle Abraham, and Ohad Naharin. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Could you tell us um, about your journey to this point and if a specific event has shaped your career? Um, yeah, I so I grew up only training in classical ballet in Torrance, California, and I was obsessed, loved it, wanted to be, you know, a ballerina. And, you know, I was like, you know, kind of told that it was like ABT, American Ballet Theater or bust. And there are two dancers who were kind of like, they went to the studio and then went to studio company and went to ABT. And that was like, though the path. And I was like, okay. Um, and those dancers were Misty Copeland and Ashley Ellis, who danced for Boston Ballet for a long time as a principal dancer. And so anyway, I was just like compared and wanted to be that. And I didn't really fit um, the build of a ballet, of a typical ballet dancer. Um, I'm short-waisted. I have like the legs and feet, but I'm, you know, I'm not bone thin, never have been. I have a short neck. I'm, you know, I never really looked the part, but I loved it so much. And I would get, you know, noticed at like summer programs. And um, I was like a good ballet dancer, but I was like, oh, I don't quite fit the bunhead attitude or the, like the look. And it was just so depressing sometimes, you know? And, uh, so my senior year, I also went to regular school. I wasn't really allowed to go to conservatory or go to, you know, a school that only focused on ballet, which like I wanted to so bad, but my parents were like, nope, you, you and your twin sister, I have a twin sister, Cami. you're going to regular school, actually private school, and you're gonna dance if you want to, but school comes first. So I was like, okay, great. Senior year, applying to colleges, not dance schools at all and like did YGP for the first time and went to the finals and then did this competition called Young Arts and um, just like totally stressed, had no idea what I was going to do, but knew I wanted to dance. And I actually was gifted tickets to see LA Dance Project's inaugural performance at the Walt Disney Concert Hall back in I think it was November or something like that, November or fall 2012. And I went to the show and um, I was just blown away by the dancers and their range of work they tackled in the one night, which was um, Quintet by William Forsyth, Winter Branch by Merce Cunningham and Moving Parts by Benjamin Milpier. The director and I was just like wow so blown away so amazed looked at the program and saw that 
I think three of the dancers were grads of Juilliard. And literally that night I was like, I got home and I was like, I'm going to apply to Juilliard. <laughs> and I did. And it was a little late, but yeah, I applied to Juilliard. I went to Young Arts competition in December as like competing in classical ballet, met all these amazing dancers in the contemporary division that were much cooler, I thought, and like not as, you know, they were focused, but they were, I thought they were more interesting and they were talking about the Juilliard audition and it was this whole thing and I didn't really tell any of them I was applying. And then I got in and I was just like, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to learn how to dance differently and use the range of techniques and um, yeah. And it really came full circle when I got into the company after graduating Juilliard in 2017. And I've been here ever since. And now it's, yeah, this is the end of my fourth season or middle, yeah. Wow. That was that's a long winded <laughs> No, that's wonderful. And that's so cool that you were set on ballet for so long, but you were equally open to exploring something else. Yeah. I mean, I knew I didn't fit in really, you know, like I didn't have that like obsessive, not that all ba ballerinas are obsessive, but it has like the, I don't know, it's just a very narrow track. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of issues with it on many more levels now that I'm like educated and have been working professionally. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I think you go towards what brings you most joy. And when you always feel like you're constantly fighting to like make your lines look longer or like work harder than anyone else in the room because you're maybe the fattest one, you know, with quotations in the room, just like wasn't what made me feel good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was pretty, yeah, it was a very important change for me. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, have you experienced any challenges as you prepared for a career as a professional dancer? Yes, <laughs> many challenges. Uh, I think my biggest challenge was my knee surgery and the knee condition I've had since I was really young called Osgood Schlatter's disease. And I've had it since I was 11. And it's like these bumps on under your kneecaps um, that happen when your muscles and tendons aren't growing at the same rate. And so you can develop little ossicles and just, it just tears your tendon and like little bits of bones. It's like a growing condition. So I had it since I was really young and I was told I'd grow out of it as most people do, but I got to Juilliard and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm working all day. Like I'm dancing all day for the first time. And by, by 3 p.m. I was just destroyed. I was like, I can't do a plie, let alone jump and rehearse. And I was in so much pain, couldn't kneel, could barely do a grand plie. Like all this pain that I had just like pretended wasn't there because I thought it would leave and it never left. So I was like, okay, I need surgery. My left knee was bad. And so I got surgery the end of my freshman year and then healed over the summer or tried to, and then went back for my second year in so much pain and dancing so much. Uh, so that was, a, that was the biggest challenge was my knees. And they still are, but um, I think I learned the most 
as a dancer and person from like overcoming an injury. It can be challenging, not only physically, but also mentally. Totally. Yeah, totally. I felt like I was failing for sure. Um, especially like summer after your freshman year, everyone's going to these amazing summer intensives and you just feel like, I remember spending the summer home being like, oh my God, I'm falling behind and I'm gonna go back weaker than where I was. And I just didn't know how to like give myself grace and how to like take care of myself. It was like, you just wanna be the best and the people you're at work, you know, you're in school with are just the best and you wanna be as good as everyone and you wanna, you know, make the most out of your experience at school. And I just felt like, wow, am I wasting my time? And yeah, it was very stressful, but it got better as school went on. Good, good. Yeah, that's um, definitely challenging. I sophomore year and junior year had a pretty bad injury and mm-hmm. I finally had to take some time off like at the end of last year into this year. And I'm so glad I did. But at first it's like, I was so worried. I'm, I'm going to get worse. It's going to be so hard to come back. It's so challenging. Like, just like you said, feeling like you're far behind, but I think in the end, you have to take that time off to heal. Yeah. And it matters for like the rest of your life. Like you only have one body. So right. it's hard to know in the moment that taking a rest will help you in the long term. but yeah. And I think dancers are just like, we're so good at hiding pain or like talk, like thinking like, I don't know, like it's painful, but is it 10? Like you can't, like we just like, you just know how to ignore, we learn how to ignore pain. You know, you're like, wow, I have a blister in my point shoe. I'm bleeding, but I'm gonna, you know, like we learn very young um, to kind of hide it and to minimize it and not pay attention to it. But it's been really important for me to, to listen to my body. Mm-hmm. Not just power through everything. Yeah. Uh, what would you say the key differences um, are between when you were dancing at Juilliard versus joining a professional company? And is there anything in particular you wish you had known um, during this transition? I mean, it is such a big change. And I've talked about it with a lot of my friends and classmates who've graduated and gone to companies. I think, I mean, the biggest change is like you're, you're, it's your job now. So you feel like a pressure, like people still want you to, I mean, hopefully, ideally, like the people, your superiors want you to do well. But school is like kind of the last place where everyone's rooting for you and wants you to do well. And I mean, I, I felt like people were rooting for me at LA Dance Project, even when I joined, of course. But it's also like, wow, this is your job. Like, you have to be prepared. You have to, which I think I was very lucky and I was well prepared when I, when I left Juilliard. But I think the thing that was maybe the most difficult, especially the year I joined, was that we had to learn things, learn pieces in such short amounts of time and perform them right away. And that was not what I was used to at school because it was more training focused and we'd work on a piece for months before performing it and really like go deep in like the history and the, you know, which I think is valuable, but you have to like 
learn how to do that in a short amount of time. If you have like five pieces that need to be ready before a tour to three different cities and countries where you're doing like different triple bills at each place. So that was like overwhelming. Um, and I'm not sure I wish that my training were different, but I remember being like, oh my goodness, I'm performing and I feel less prepared, but I, you have to learn to like, uh, yeah, I think you just have to learn to trust that you are prepared even without months and months of rehearsal prior. Hmm. The, the preparation feels a little different. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, that's a lot of trust to have in yourself too right off the bat and kind of becoming this brand new, like you're just barely becoming a professional dancer and you have, have to have this trust in yourself that you're prepared. Yeah, and I had no trust in myself. <laughs> I was so insecure and, you know, suddenly you're like, wow, people in this company have been dancing here for five years or six years. And I'm like, I don't know, like it is definitely an adjustment to, you have to believe in yourself. Really, you do. That sounds cheesy, but I have a lot more confidence now, I think, because of all the work I've done leading up to now. Definitely. Um, yeah. So what are, what are your tips for a dancer graduating from college and looking into joining a company or doing some freelance work? I'd say don't pigeonhole yourself. Um, I think that what's made me successful this far, this far is being willing and available and prepared to dance anything. Um, you know, I think even at school, you know, we were kind of like put into boxes as like certain kinds of dancers and certain kind of things that, you know, are easier for us or look better on us. But um, I've always been like, if I'm doing a Martha Graham solo, I'm gonna be a dancer in the Martha Graham company. When I'm in ballet class, I'm not some modern dancer taking ballet class, I'm a ballerina in ballet class. If I'm in Cunningham, you know, I'm a Cunningham dancer. If I'm, you know, if I'm doing this new piece with this new choreographer and I, and this is the way she moves, I'm moving like a dancer in her company. And I think not saying, not allowing yourself to be like, oh, that's not me or not like just not judging what you're going to dance um, because every director I think wants to work with a versatile dancer who's willing to do um, a lot of different styles, especially in a rep company um, like LA Dance Project where we're asked to do, you know, more contemporary ballet to, you know, very contemporary or modern works. Mm. Really allowing yourself to embrace whatever the style is and not just what you think, whatever kind of dancer you think you are, but being really open to all forms. Right, yeah, because that's how we learn and get better by putting ourselves in those vulnerable situations where you're like, wow, I don't feel comfortable doing floor work. That was not me. I was like, wow, my knees, that was something I avoided at school. And then I got into the company and it was like, hey, you're gonna do this. You're gonna wear knee pads and maybe sew your own, but you're gonna do this piece. And, you know, yeah, learn how to 
to get better. And I think that's, I mean, that's why we do what we do is to keep learning. Um, how have you dealt with injuries throughout your career and what has helped you, helped you to navigate these injuries and maintain good mental health and the healing process? Yeah. I mean, I've been lucky in that I had my knee condition and my knee surgery very young and I wasn't a working dancer yet and had a lot of help. Um, but sometimes, I mean, it overwork, overuse injuries happen they're common. And I think to know when something's in pain and your body is saying, stop, you need to take a week off, like let your, you know, pulled hamstring or like torn. I don't know. We have, we get strains and something stuff that happens. And sometimes you just have to know, like, I need to not do this piece for a week, or I need to voice it to my rehearsal director, my director. Um, I've seen dancers push through injuries that that it's just like not worth it. You know, in the moment you're like, wow, my family's here. You know, I, there are always reasons, you know, and, or, you know, you just, you feel there's guilt sometimes. I see dancers deal with guilt about not doing a piece or about, about having someone else go in who already is working too much. And I think, everyone there's always a solution and every dancer needs to speak up for themselves um especially if you're in a company where where nobody's really looking out for you but um i've been lucky in that sense i think injuries are taken very seriously at la dance project oh i was just i was curious does the company provide pt for the dancers or to a PT place? Yeah, we have a physical therapist come in twice a week and a massage therapist once a week. And it's, yeah, I mean, especially getting back into working full time this last week, I was like, I need to be in PT and in <laughs> massage like every time it's available. Nice. That's a great resource that they have. I know that's like oh, so yeah. important for dancers because you're using your body all day. I'm honestly shocked when I hear about companies who don't have physical therapy or massage therapy offered. I think it's so important. Yeah. Or even schools that don't have any resources for dancers. That's something we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Like, you know, a lot of dancers have to find their own resources and that can be challenging as a student. Um, Right. I mean, I can believe it, but yeah, I can't imagine myself in that situation as like a student in college with all the issues I had. And I learned so much from my physical therapist about how to take care of my body as, an, as a professional. Yeah, kind of adding on to that, as a professional dancer, are there any self-care practices that you found to be particularly useful? Yeah, therapy. <laughs> I mean, as a person, therapy, um, sleep. Sleep is very important and very underrated. Um, And it can feel odd sometimes when you're performing at night and you're like, wow, I'm not waking up until noon. But sometimes you have to do that in order to be okay. Um, Yeah, I think sleeping, eating really well, eating, you know, lots of vegetables and fruit and just listening to your body. I mean, I'm, I'm not a nutritionist or health expert in any way, but I would say just, um, 
you know, not like partying on tour before you have a, a few shows. And then, you know, if you get injured, you're like, well, wonder why, you know, stuff, stuff like that, basic things. But maybe it's not really basic because I think most 20 something year olds have very, lead very different lives, you know, than professional dancers because of what we do with our bodies. I appreciate you talking openly about therapy. It's, it's really changed my life. And I feel like it's so secretive, especially in the dance community a lot of times. And there seems to be this slow shift of people talking about it more. And it's something we talk about a lot on the podcast. But I just think it's so important for dancers and people in general to just be open about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we all are have so much. We're all struggling all the time, you know, and I think especially as artists and as performers, like we all have anxiety. I mean, maybe not to, to the same extent, but I think it's just a different kind of lifestyle. And um, yeah, it's helped me a lot. And how has dance itself been a form of self-care for you? I mean, I just don't know who I'd be if I'm not dancing. I think that's why I've struggled so much during this pandemic. Obviously there are a lot of things happening and um, it's not just because I wasn't dancing, but I think it was very shocking for me when the pandemic hit and I was like, who am I if I'm not dancing? <laughs> like, like, who am I? And then why do I dance? Why, you know, it's, it was like panic. And I had to like refocus, recenter myself, find other things that interested me. But I like realized that I'm so much happier when I'm dancing. And I think it's because I get to experience my feelings and my emotions and let them out in like a physical way that I just can't do any other way. Mm. Even if I'm like exercising, which I do and like, and I just feel like there's something about dancing and sharing space with other people and connecting, you know, in a nonverbal way that is just so special. Mm. I'm going a little off script here, but kind of like back to the self-care um, practices. Do you have a certain like cross-training routine that you follow or do you kind of, is it a little more random? Um, I mean... I really didn't before this pandemic. I was just dancing so much. So when we had breaks, I would like really do not that much. I would like take yoga or you know, take some, I would take some berries classes or like I would do random things. It was pretty sporadic. And then during the pandemic, I was like ballet class in my apartment is not cutting it. I and I got really into bar classes like workout classes um I found like really like use train the same muscles you need in ballet and it doesn't feel as frustrating because I don't have space or like my floor is slippery or it just felt more like wow this is achievable and something I can do in like 45 minutes so that's what I really got into and I love also high intensity interval training um, because it's just like that explosive power you need for dancing that makes you just happy because of endorphins and 
that you get that tired feeling that you just don't get otherwise. So that's what I did mostly when we had months off. Nice. A little, little bit of everything. Yeah. Nice. Um, has there ever been a time that you wanted to stop dancing and what motivated you to continue? No, <laughs> there's never been a time where I wanted to stop. Honestly, it's kind of crazy. I've, I don't think I've ever even thought about stopping. Um, I think that I think about it as the, in the future, like as a woman, especially, which I think is unfair, but that's a whole other conversation. But I think that our time is so limited and that it's just our time as dancers is just so fleeting, especially and happens pretty early on in our lives that I just like want to dance as much as I can either before I have like my knees really don't want me to do it anymore or you know I think right now I'm like in go mode I'm like let's dance <laughs> and I've yeah I've not really felt like I I could stop that's great I like to hear that <laughs> It's a little crazy. <laughs> so dedic it's dedicated. It's very, it's, you can tell that you're passionate about it, which is great. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that actually this year has taught me that I can be a person. I can be myself. I can be a human who dances and not just like a dancer who happens to be a human. And I think that's really important because we're not just one thing, you know, we're a lot of things and our interests, you know, we all dance for different reasons. We all have a point of view about dancing, about the steps we do, about the, you know, the ballets we perform and that's for a reason. So I think um, learning to be okay with just being me without working myself to the bone is like, a really important thing. That leads perfectly into my next question, actually. Um, as a professional, as a dance professional, how have you been able to make a schedule for yourself that maintains a healthy work-life balance and makes time for various responsibilities? Um, it is hard. Um, I think that, well, my, for example, my boyfriend is a dancer and he now dances with LA Dance Project, but we moved here, we met at Juilliard and we moved here um, together in 2017. And he freelanced, worked with the different companies. And sometimes we'd like tour at different times and like miss each other. And sometimes like, and that was very hard. And I felt like I had no balance because I was touring so much. Um, and obviously like relationships struggle <laughs> when you're just not together, I think. But um, now he's in the company, which has its like positives and negatives, right? Because we're like together and we can like have the same schedule and we see each other and we can like cook together and work together. But then it's like, wow, I need space from you. I see you all freaking day. Um, so it's it's like you're constantly finding it, you know, like. Sometimes you, you, we always want what we don't have. So I was like, wow, it would be amazing if I spent every waking moment with him. And now I'm like, 
wow, like I love you and I love seeing you all the time, but it's, it's really important for us to have days where we take space and uh, where I like hang out with my girlfriends. And, you know, I, I think as hard as it is for me to like admit that I need space, it's very important for like introverted people. <laughs> I don't know if I answered your question, but I don't know. I think balance means a lot of different things to different people. And I'm not somebody that needs constant uh, people around me. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Like I like, I need to find my alone time because at work I'm like full on, like, you know, expending lots of energy. Definitely. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, cause sometimes you do have to really make time for yourself and to be alone and not constantly be exhausting yourself and dancing and talking to people and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I read this article. I, I can't remember where, but it was saying like some people get like get their energy by being with other people and then other people like regain their energy by, by being alone. So yeah, like I'm in the latter category. I need my alone time too. <laughs> and I think my boyfriend's kind of the opposite, which is interesting to see. Like some people really want like to let loose and like have, see friends and hang out. And I find myself doing the opposite, but it doesn't mean I don't have a life. It's just, that's, <laughs> that's what I want to do with my life. But I think there's definitely like society judges one, you know, yeah, more than the other. Very true. What are some ways that an individual can get involved with the dance community if they might not have access to formal dance training? Yes. Okay. Well, this is one way that's that underprivileged youth in LA. Yeah. Part of downtown LA can train is through this program called Everybody Dance. That's in partnership with the Gabriella Foundation. And it's like very affordable classes for these students. Um, and it's really great training. So that's one way. I don't know as much as I wish I did about it, but we are partnered, LA Dance Project is partnered with the Gabriella Foundation and Everybody Dance, it's called, to do summer intensives and classes with these students. So we've been doing that for this will be our third summer program with them. And we also taught classes to, with them in January and February, which was amazing. Um, but I wish there were programs like that everywhere. I'm thinking of like, I don't know, middle of nowhere, <laughs> like middle of the country somewhere. Like it's probably, yeah, there aren't enough, there aren't enough of these programs. Yeah. But the Gabriella, the Gabriella Foundation is like a really amazing resource, and I love the the two the teachers. Wow, the two the tutors, the teachers and the students there so much. Yeah, I know. It's a really nice program. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's programs like that, or the ones I know of are you know, either the one you were speaking about or in like New York or Boston, but I think that's harder if you're not in a major city where there's funding for those types of programs and resources. Yeah, right? 
What is your number one piece of advice for the movement toward change dance community? I guess my, um, my biggest piece of advice would be to trust your instincts and to remember that you have a voice and remember that we all work so hard to be dancers for so, so many years to get to where we are. And yeah, our voices matter, what you think and what you feel and your instincts about something or sometimes your gut feeling about someone or something or being feeling like something isn't quite right or you know that something you're witnessing happening isn't quite right is it's really important to be aware of those things and to speak up for yourself. Thank you so much for taking this time to speak with us. We really appreciate it. Of course, it's been so great speaking with both of you. Um, if you have further questions for Daisy or would like to keep up with her dancing, feel free to follow her on Instagram at daisykate underscore J. We will also put this information in the show notes. Thank you.